Topping Talks. Hundred and five hours a week, can't be beat. Welcome to Topping Talks. Topping Talks is a Topping Tribune production, and today's episode is proudly sponsored by Topping Technologies and Express VPN. Topping Technologies is an IT value-added reseller and services company with a special proficiency in security. Heck, I see their founder at least twice a day. I have to say he's quite handsome and brilliant. If you're a business in Texas and could use a hand, you can reach us at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Also, are you part of the 3.6% of Americans who still care about their privacy? If you are, then perfect. ExpressVPN can assist. Even though 96% of stats are made up on the spot, ExpressVPN does give 100% guarantee via their 30-day money-back guarantee. Now, without further ado, I'm proud to say today I'm interviewing David Chuckman, who is the CEO of TriTech Window Tilting. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. I really appreciate everything for bringing us on. Absolutely. So thanks so much for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, pretty excited to be here. So tell us, I mean, I know it's kind of cliche, but how did you first get into cars? Man, my uh, dad was an auto mechanic, and my brother and my dad built a Mustang when I was a little kid. Oh, what, what kind? It was like a, probably like an 80... Eight or 84 or something like that. My brother's eight years older, so it was, it was, I was really young. Yeah. But he was racing and stuff like that, so I kind of followed. And my dad liked to, you know, do stuff to his cars. So uh, basically, you know, that, that was really something that I just grew up around. And it just stuck. It's like in my blood. So, yeah. So that was a classic Fox body Mustang, right, I think? Yeah, exactly. Oh. I remember it was a uh, black with like chrome wheels and like he drag raced it and and uh, once I felt the speed I was hooked. <laughs> That's awesome. So what was your very first car? Uh, my first car was a, I'd say my first sports car after I got done beating up my mom and dad's cars <laughs> was a 1992 MR2 Turbo. Classic. Yep. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, I was racing it all the time and doing anything I could to modify it. This was during high school. Oh, yeah. I mean, some of those best memories is just, you know, dicking around with your parents' vehicles. I know. And that, that's a testament to the reliability of Honda. My parents had a 2001 Honda Accord sedan when I was in high school. And I did some crazy stuff with that. And it, it still runs. And it's, what, 20-plus years later. <laughs> yeah, I, I broke all my parents' cars. Oh, really? I don't know about you, but I, I ran them in the curb. <laughs> uh, broke their transmission. <laughs> you name it. Oh. Honda must have been a lot better than the 87 Volvo. Oh, well, that's Swedish <laughs> engineering, though. It's supposed to be safer. Got the yeah. Swedish steel that makes it, apparently. Yeah, I, I could tear <laughs> up anything. Don't don't spin them out into a curb and stuff like that, you know. Oh, no, I got lucky. <laughs> we had a lot of snow in the Midwest, so it was a lot of fun in the parking lots where they were nice and wide open for most of the time. <laughs> yeah, you're probably a better driver than. Yeah, <laughs> debatable. Yeah. <laughs> the only downside is it was automatic. So that was always disappointing. So I didn't get the privilege of that until my buddy let me drive his stick shift. It was the, the Dodge SRT4, one of those nice sleepers. And that's how I learned it. And I've been addicted ever since. So I've only ever owned stick shifts, which I know is, I'm, I'm a dying breed, so to say, but it's a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, I agree. No, uh, that, that was the way to be. And it, stick shifts were faster at one time, you know, that I thought on the street. But with today's technology, 
it's it's pretty much impossible to shift like like a dual clutch transmission. Un- unfortunately, it is. I think so. I was doing some research a while back, just kind of wondering. And Porsche was the first company to really brag about, hey, we just engineered an automatic that's faster than a manual. And I think that was I'm kicking myself not remember the actual decade, but I think it was the '80s or the '90s. And ever since that announcement, I mean, pretty much every car has been you know faster. With an automatic, because it's you know it's computer on wheels basically. <laughs> yeah, you can't beat technology. No, I mean especially the Tesla plat model plaid, which yeah. is blistering fast. <laughs> Ridiculous. Yeah. So do you think it's blasphemy or funny? Uh, there's a guy who actually put a Hellcat noise so on his Tesla. So when he drives it, it sounds like a Dodge Hellcat. <laughs> I think that's a great idea because the Teslas I've driven, I feel like they don't have a soul. Right. They're, yeah. they're rockets, but I feel like I'm just. I'm in a can. <laughs> like, yeah. there's no sound. Yep. It just turn up the music. Yeah. So I think that's cool. Same. I, it just, it feels like almost a video game, or it just doesn't feel, quote, unquote, real. Yeah. And I think the audio definitely helps out. Yeah, totally. Oh, yeah. Are you a fan of Rich Rebuilds with uh, his Tesla, the V8? I don't recall that. Oh. I don't know, so I guess I'm not. <laughs> oh, you, you like him. He's a, he's a YouTuber and mechanical engineer who kind of got famous from fixing his Tesla on his own without Tesla direct support. Wow. And just, he wanted to see if he could do it. He engine swapped a Tesla S with a V8, you know, GM crate engine with a manual. That's insane. Right? Yeah, you definitely <laughs> got to see that. Oh, it's it's awesome. I mean, that's some fun engineering. So how much did you, how much did you change on the MR2? I can't imagine you left too much stock. <laughs> well, back then... I didn't have much uh, money to, to work with, yeah. so I was just getting into my career at the time. Mm-hmm. I didn't know anything. I wasn't making much at all, so I uh, I found a way to put exhaust on it. Um, you know, that, that was kind of, if I recall, that's pretty much all I did was like a full exhaust. I think we even gutted the catalytic converters oh, yeah? to, to get a little bit more was, power out yeah. of it. You know, on turbo cars, that made a pretty big difference, but... That was pretty much all I could do. We we did put some lowering springs on it. I say we, uh, you know, my friends and I were all in the car, so we we're always doing something. That's awesome. And you, well, you had to do that. You know, back in the day when catalytic converters were first introduced, they kneecapped performance. Yep. Because they basically stuck. You know, basically made it so the engine can't breathe. They can't push out the exhaust as much. So. Yeah, it made a big difference. Oh yeah, I mean they've gotten a lot more efficient nowadays, where the performance increases are basically negligible well it's kind of a bonus if someone steals your catalytic converter it's like oh yeah i got a straight pipe for free <laughs> yeah. yeah no that that happens too often these days right <laughs> but thankfully they or i know um they just busted a 20 million dollar ring um of catalytic converter theft wow. with one big operation so in theory that trend will be you know going down maybe <laughs> that would be great i i've actually had it on our camper it's caught at a our store of uh, people going out in the parking lot, uh, you know, just at night, coming yeah. in there and cutting them off, and, like, they're, like, professionals. Like oh, you yeah. said, they, they could get out of there in a minute. Oh, it's insane. And a lot there's actually a third whole third-party support where they're engineering special plates that you can bolt onto your bottom of your car and cages to put around the catalytic converter just to kind of dissuade a lot of those thefts. Just because everyone knows those pressure metals are so valuable and times are tough for a lot of people and they're getting desperate. And just, oh, yeah. I could take a saw saw to that in about under a minute. There's fourteen hundred dollars or more, depending on the size of the converter and the materials. That's insane, right? It's it's ridiculous, but 
Thankfully, I haven't had that issue yet. <laughs> yeah. I personally haven't, but yeah. I've seen it. <laughs> yeah. and, and we keep all the cars at our store inside. We don't leave Good. anything outside, yep. but there's like a body shop, and mm-hmm. they can't fit everything in, so we've seen it happen a few times. Oh, so, so then how did you first get into window tenting growing up? Uh, window tenting, uh, I made a lot of bad decisions. Uh, I wasn't a great student. Uh, when I Well, I was a pretty good student until I started to drive. Oh, yeah? And then I thought driving and, you know, playing pool and just really being in the car was way better than school. Yeah. <laughs> so I didn't like school that much, and I just wanted to be in the car all the time. And I was at school, and I was like, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do with all this stuff they're teaching me. And when I got to geometry, I was like, I'm just out. I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to do this. So – I was hanging around cars and uh, window tent shops and performance shops since I was 15 years old. This is after hanging around, you know, my brother and my dad who are in the cars. And that's what I was interested in. So I ended up uh, getting a job through a friend at a window tent shop. And, uh, you know, basically got out of school as soon as I could, got a GD, and it's been history. I mean, I've been tenting windows for about 25 years now. Oh, wow. Yeah. So what was that big pivot point where, you know, you started the window tinting, uh, working for someone else, and what inspired you to take that next step? Yeah, so back then it was 1997 about when I started tinting, and maybe it's the small business, but a lot of small businesses, the, the owners and the management, you know, in my opinion, they're not very professional, and... Uh, there was a lot of times where you would work a full week and, you know, you'd work really hard and it'd be payday and they'd say, I'm sorry, you know, I don't have the money to pay you and you may not get paid for a week or two. And that happened several times. Uh, And, you know, just a lot of things. There was a lot of drugs in the industry and the employees they would hire would do drugs and I've never been into that kind of thing. Yeah. So I just always wanted to do something better than that. And I didn't want people to feel like, hey, I'm at work and I'm not getting paid. I wanted to make a cleaner environment uh, to work around. So that's kind of one of the reasons I started my own. The other thing is ever since I could, uh, when I used to BMX and things like that, and I could push a lawnmower, I first mowed my lawn. And then uh, I was like, you know what? I could go down the street and mow other people's lawn for 20 bucks. Yeah. So ever since I was a little kid, I was out there asking people, knocking on doors. I didn't even know what I was doing. Yeah. <laughs> I just knew I needed money to get some stuff for my bike and upgrade my bike. So same thing with the work, window tending. If I'm going to work, I need exhaust. You know, yeah. <laughs> I need to go fast. Yeah. So it's kind of like Ricky Bobby. Like, yeah. if you're not first, you're, you're last. last. <laughs> so I was always working, trying to be first. Oh, yeah. That was, I mean, thank God for the lawns. I mean, that was so many of my friends, that was their first job. I remember that was the first one of my first entrepreneurial um, experiences, I printed out a couple hundred flyers. God bless my parents with their, with their you know, you know, consumer grade printer that was struggling to print hundreds of copies. But I took those, I you know, put them all over the neighborhood, and I got a couple calls back and got my dad's lawnmower, got some extra gas, you know, threw it in their 2001 Honda Accord, and you know, got on it. <laughs> yeah, there there was, if I recall correctly, most of the days, and I'm pretty positive this is true. I was pushing the lawnmower around the neighborhood with a gas can 
Yeah. Um, and I do remember a few times my mom would take me when it was like a few miles, mm-hmm. but I was going pretty far. And I, I think uh, being a business owner or entrepreneurial, I really do think it's innate um, because the stuff that you go through uh, to be successful, it's very difficult. And what kind of kids sell, you know, lemonade and push lawnmowers instead of play video games? Right. There's got to be something wired in us to oh. do that. Oh, absolutely. I agree. I mean, all my friends, a lot of them, they had the Xboxes and the Playstations. And I would always have uh, garage sales or lemonade stands or mag- like the schools that have magazine drives. Seems like every entrepreneur had that great start. Like Mark, and Ke- Mark Cuban's first, you know, quote unquote, flipper project was selling stamps for people. I mean, everyone's, everyone just has those experience that kind of build up and you keep growing and growing. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I, I mean, I played video games, I played sports, but just as often I was trying to find a way to save money yeah. by the next shiny object at the time that I thought I needed. Right. So it's it's got to be something that we're wired. Uh, it's genetic, you know. Yeah, I absolutely, I agree. So out of curiosity, so when you were a kid, what was your dream car? Or what do you think was the coolest car ever? The first thing that comes to mind is like the old Lamborghini Countach. And Legendary. Poster. Yep. Yep. Uh, and then, you know, second thing, I guess, would be a Diablo because that was a little yeah. bit later. Um, but, yeah, th- I, I was playing Need for Speed and got to race all those cars. And, you know, I thought that that was me. Like, yeah. for some reason, that's all I cared about. What was your favorite Need for Speed? Uh, I really don't recall any of that. Oh. Um, I just know I played a lot of Need for Speed. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a long time. <laughs> Because uh, I started the business 20 years ago, yeah, and I've been tenting for 25. And when, I guess, 20 years ago in business, there was the first year I had to decide. I was really good at foosball. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever played oh, foosball. Yeah. Yeah, I remember and that. I was good at playing pool because I wasn't going to school. I was playing a lot of pool and foosball. Yeah. And I, I like to, uh, online gaming was kind of becoming popular about 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was doing a lot of all that. And I had to decide, there was a pivoting moment, like, am I getting better by doing this? Or, you know, do I need to start tenting seriously and stop doing all these hobbies? Yeah. And uh, something in my mind, like, hey, we, we got to make, I got to make rent. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I need to go tent windows. So that's uh, for sure was a big pivoting moment for me. So I, I quit playing video games and it's been 20 years. And I don't really remember yeah. that much. <laughs> Beyond, you know, before that. Oh, makes sense. So, what was the biggest challenge once you took that big leap and started the company? Gosh, there are so many. <laughs> right. Um, I was a hard worker, so thankfully, you know, I would work at any time to make enough money just to get by. Uh, for me, the biggest challenge was probably um, employees, learning how to talk to people. I was always really shy when I was younger. Yeah. And I didn't know how to talk to people. So, employ- and I was very nice. So, employees took advantage of me. Yeah. Um, and that, that's not necessarily a bad thing now because I learned how to deal with it today. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if your relationship isn't a win win, like both parties are winning, it's a bad deal. And I, I think that about every deal. So, that's how I look at that. Um, but yeah, I, I got burnt out, wore out by employees for a long time. And, uh, you know, I think part of it was I didn't have enough money to pay them, but I also didn't know how to uh, choose good people, like with yeah. good hearts that were there for the right reason. Mm-hmm. 
and I always paid them. Yeah. Maybe I wasn't paying enough. Like it's hard to make enough money at the beginning, but as you learn to pay more and you get more and you learn to choose the right people, things get a lot easier. And that was the hardest thing I think for me. All right. Absolutely. It's always, I had the same experience where when I first started off, I had a couple contractors and, you know, some of them, they would, you know, they would have, they would have perfect proficiency when it came to the actual job, but and just some of the interpersonal experience, it just wasn't that great. So I had that kind of the same situation where you're trying to find those right people who they really want to make a dent in the universe. They don't know, they don't just want to clock out exactly at, you know, five or four fifty nine PM on a weekday. Yeah. <laughs> yep. You just want them to come to work and put in the effort. Yeah. Um, at least what they get paid to do and, both of you grow together. That's the main thing. You both got to win. Yep. Yeah, you got to make it a win-win for everyone. Right. Then out of curiosity, what did the company start with in terms of, was it mainly car tinting, and how did it expand in terms of categories or of services? Yeah, 100%, you're right on that. Uh, we were doing car tinting, and I ended up getting asked to do some buildings for people that I knew through cars and things like that, and I would go out and do that too. Um, but most of it's been car tinting, and, and up until about 10 years ago, I started to take a commercial residential tinting a lot more seriously, and I started to hire a team, because you can't do everything yourself. You can't tent cars and a building at the same no, time. You can try. It's right. not easy. Yep. <laughs> so, you, you know, you learn to do that, and you expand, and you get more people, and so commercial residential right now is a good part of our business. Uh, in fact, before we came here, we... Uh, just picked up our new van and we had it wrapped. And so it looks really cool. Like literally before we came here, we were delivering our van back to the store. Oh, nice. Um, but after commercial residential started to take off, uh, have, I don't know if you've heard of Expel paint protection film. Oh yeah, I think uh, Doug Demiro put it on his uh, Ford GT. Yeah, it's a self-healing clear film. Uh, it goes on the front of your car. You can do your whole car if you wanna pay for that. It just depends how crazy you are about your car. Um, it's not the cheapest thing, but if you have a pretty expensive car or you just love your car, you won't get rock chips. Uh, it's self-healing, so if you, like, wipe your car down and you scratch it on accident, you put it in the sun, and the scratches go away. That's so, it. yeah, the last few years we started to really push that as well, and I think that'll be a huge expansion in the next five years of our business as well. Oh, I agree. Not to throw prices out there, but I remember watching, so Doug Miro uh, on YouTube, I think it was a 2005 Ford GT, and he paid to have that on his whole car. It was about, I think it was like 14 grand. I mean, he rationalized, if you get one rock chip, I mean, that's going to be thousands of dollars in paint work. Yeah. So, I mean, one yeah. hey, one road trip, it pays for itself. <laughs> yep. And uh, what, what state is Doug in? Oh, uh, I want to say he was in California for the yep. longest time. I forget which city it is, but he does a lot of those... Uh, you know, he's got his cliche is like, he op opens up all of his uh, car keys, goes, this? And he names the car. Yeah. Like, I always have that that line stuck in my head. I can hear his voice when I think <laughs> about him. But, yeah, he does a lot of really cool car reviews. I like his channel. Yeah, Ford GT, it's, uh, there's no way that I wouldn't do paint protection film. You okay. want that paint to be flawless. You don't want to have to repaint a fender and kill the value. Uh, yeah, for folks who don't realize, you know, Ford GT, 2004, 2007, I think was the product years. Right now they're going for like three fifty to six fifty, six hundred fifty thousand dollars. Yep. For that. And it's a lot of people say it's the last hoorah of kind of traditional supercars, you know, stick shift, not a lot of technology, V eight, rear engine. I mean, it was a 
and it's kind of ironic, like a lot of cars, comes out, sold okay, but it wasn't until later it became a huge collector car. Yep. About 2005 was the first time I saw one. It may have been 2006. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if, you, if you're from the area, people would know Troy Aikman. Oh, yeah. For the, he played for the Dallas Cowboys. He won a lot of championships. He's super famous. He ended up buying a Ford dealership. It was called Troy Aikman Ford over off Central Expressway. And we were tenting cars for them. So I would go up there, and I saw the first for myself. I don't know what you know what number Ford GT, but I got to see one get delivered there. And they were like 125 to $150,000 oh back gosh. then. If you would have got one in 2005. It's a bargain. <laughs> today they're like over half a million dollars. Yeah. That's just wild. Incredible. There's, there's at one point where there's more people and more money tied up in the Ford GT than Ferraris, which, I mean, Ferraris are kind of known for being collectible staples and have it almost more of an investment or as much of an investment as it also is as a vehicle. So it's pretty impressive Ford was able to achieve that kind of stash with that kind of vehicle. Yeah, and they're, and they're monsters, like, the new ones, they're going for over a million dollars. If you could find them. Yep. I mean, that that whole concierge service, that was very – that's the first time for Ford, and that was brilliant marketing. It kind of elevated the whole brand, which is what a Halo car is supposed to do. So, I mean, a lot of people talk about the whole process of, you know, you're getting your – you got a mini version of your car when you order it, and you custom the paint, and they would take you, take measurements. It was, I mean, it was a supercar experience. It was – Really, and of course, you know, it's winning all those awards as well in the races. So it's brilliant marketing. <laughs> yeah, no, they're, they're amazing in their race history in the movie that yep. we just watched <laughs> about it. Uh, they're just really impressive how they beat Ferrari. And yeah, uh, so yeah, it'd be really cool to own one someday. Uh, the heritage is amazing. So hopefully, one day we can get there. That's that's the dream, right? It's that's like, right. I cannot wait to get some of those nice old school stick shifts. There's, there's so many of them, and yet at the same time, so few, because they're just they make a lot of them. And they're nowadays there's not a lot of modern hypercars being made that stick. I know I forget his name, but there's a specialist or a very niche um, designer who's making one that's you know stick shift V12 rear um, rear engine. Is it Gordon Gordon something? He lose me at the moment, but it's getting harder and harder to find those types of things. Yeah, I, I believe Porsche just came out with another manual. Oh, yeah. It's maybe one of the only ones that there is right now. Oh. I, I guess the Corvette. Rest in peace. They killed it. So GM with the new C8 Corvette, it is only automatic. Yeah. And which is, I that still blew my mind considering if you study the Corvette history, on average, the sales breakdown of automatics were stick shift. Every year is about 23% of the Corvettes manufactured were stick shifts. But... I mean, they're just trying to compete. They're trying to become Ferrari and Lamborghini as they have for decades. And killing the stick shift, I think, was part of that vision or initiative, which, of course, does make it faster because that's what technology does. But, no, I mean, for the longest time, the Corvette was the super American dream. And I do respect Porsche more than them because, was it the 80s or 90s, the Porsche, they announced, hey, you know, we just came out with this technology. It's faster. You want to go fast? We're killing all our stick shifts. The consumers were so pissed. They all wrote letters. They got attention. They listen to their consumers, and to this day, you can buy a Porsche with a stick. Yep. And uh, that's really cool. Yeah. That could be, you know, completely is extinct, you know, here in the future. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's I think there's less than 30 new cars you can get with a stick shift. I know the Nissan 400C is going to come out. That's going to be pretty neat. Toyota, actually, another great company that listens to consumers, 
they just announced uh, re recently the Super Racer can come with a stick, and they engineered the whole transmission in-house because it's a BMW drivetrain, but they wanted to get that experience, so you're going to be able to get three pedals on the new Supra. That's going to be awesome. I did not know that. Oh, yeah, it's going to be. So um, NASA, the racing organization I participate in, they actually have an experience where Toyota sponsors it, and they have a garage there, so anyone can go there, and during the track days, you can just sign a release form, of course, and they'll drive you around the track in the new Supra, and it's exhilarating. So much fun. <laughs> I bet that's a lot of fun. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's something I want to start doing in the future when I have a little bit more time is uh, doing kind of what you're doing with the track racing yeah. and the turns. Um, you don't have to have a real expensive car to be fast because if you don't know how to drive, you get an expensive car. It's pretty dangerous. Very true. So, yeah, that was, it was Hilarious and also very satisfying. So the third weekend I was doing the track training for, um, and I'm in the first class where you always have an instructor in the car with you telling you exactly what to do. But I actually ended up passing with my 2018 Civic Si. I passed a new C8 Corvette on the track just because I had more training than him. And that car is, you know, 130 grand now. <laughs> yeah, that's got to be the best feeling ever. It was pretty exhilarating. <laughs> I can imagine. That's why I don't want to get an expensive car and go out there. Yeah. I'd rather learn in a, it may be, I mean, a Supra is still expensive, but, oh, yeah. you know, like Miatas and Civics and stuff yeah. like that's a lot easier to maintain. Infinitely. And you can pass a Corvette. I mean, why wouldn't you? Right. And that, another great thing. I don't know. We're not, I don't, I'm not getting paid, paid by Toyota yet to say these things, but so if you buy a new Supra or a Type 86, you get a one free membership to NASA. So they're one of the few companies that are actually investing in amateur racing, which is pretty cool. Wow. Yeah, and I mean, shoot, for your business, you can write that off. That yeah. kind of goes into one of my questions about marketing. I think that'd be that'd be really cool to hit for all the cars you work on, set up a booth at these racing events. I mean, what owner doesn't want a perfect tint job, especially in Texas? I mean, that's almost a requirement, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah you could be cool while you're racing around the track and yeah. comfortable, but also not getting your paint damaged. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, that that's a great idea. I, I actually got invited, a friend of mine, who bought a brand new Porsche GT3 RS. Oh, nice. Uh, amazing. Those are engineering feats. Super hard to even get right now. Yeah. Uh, he He's going to rent Eagles Canyon. Oh, no way. And he asked me if I wanted to go. So I thought that that would be a great idea to, for me to get started and just yeah. check it out. That's a great track. That was the first track I ever drove on. Oh, wow. So they had the picture in the uh, in the hallway. Yeah. That's, uh, that's the first time my buddy and I were on the track together. Wow. Oh, it's exhilarating. It's a lot of fun. Maybe you could go with us and yeah. show me how to drive. Well, not me, but someone smarter than me. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds like you know what you're doing. So, oh no, I just I have a, so I'm still in the first class. And I think it, it goes from one to four. So I always have an instructor in the car with me telling me what to do. But I got a couple of books I can recommend you too. That's what I would like to do now that I've been, I guess, in business a long time. Uh, for me, yeah, I I think coaching is really important. And you can just skip all the stuff and all the BS that I had to go through yeah. if someone who actually knows what they're doing is showing you what to do. So I'd rather go do what you're doing with the instructor anyway. Oh, yeah. Uh, and really anything I do going forward, I'd just rather hire someone if I can to show me how to do it. Uh, absolutely. It's just supercharging it, the whole why, process. Why do it wrong for 20 years when you can skip all the BS and get pretty good, you know, a lot quicker? Absolutely. That's a key. So, out of curiosity, kind of talk about the marketing. How's that evolved as throughout the years as you try to increase the market share and try to gain new clients? Because I know it seems every year there's more tools for social media and more ways to try to meet more prospective clients. Yeah, the marketing is 
kind of goes right into it's a great question because kind of what we were talking about i got into the 10x i don't know if you've ever heard of grant cardone oh yeah but i got it really into like the 10x books Mm -hmm. and i ended up going to the 10x growth conference and uh, i went to the second one and beyond which i think was 2017 and i've been going every year since i'll be going again in 2023 um i learn so much business stuff from him and all the people that speak so it's like when you get out there it's just mind-blowing the mindset change when you're around the right type of people that do the same thing as you but as far as marketing goes they showed me like email marketing social media uh you know seo websites anything you can think of they're like you got to do all of it oh yeah (laughs) and uh so every every year that I go, obviously I can't afford. I'm, I'm trying to expand, but every year I go, I add something new that I learn at these conferences. Mm-hmm. And every year you kind of move at a, a really good pace. Our company's been growing about fifty percent the last several years, and we're, we're on pace to grow another fifty fifty five percent right now. Congrats. So that's astronomical. That's yeah, great. It's it's really yeah. great. So American dream. It is, and and I'm very happy and very blessed, and so I keep doing it. Because yeah. I'm very hungry to get better. So the coaching that I'm getting and just learning from all those type of people, I'm able to implement at least one or two things a year that I learn every year, and it's making a huge difference. Absolutely. It's all every little bit can make the biggest difference as well. Yeah, we have a social media team. Oh, they excellent. Help, they help me uh, post my video, uh, YouTube videos. They make the uh, thumbnails for what's YouTube. Your, what's your channel for a shout out? Because I'll put it in the description too. It's TriTech Window Tinting. Perfect. Yeah. So if you just YouTube TriTech Window Tinting, it'll come up on YouTube. We've got like 40 something videos now. That's awesome. Um, our videographer is actually here today. So you'll probably see some of this on there. Perfect. So we definitely want to cross promote with you and help you out as well. I'll be a privilege. Yeah. One of my favorite videos that you guys posted is the one of the, is it, it's your blue McLaren. That yeah. looks beautiful. Yeah. I almost brought it today, but we had so much to do that it, it just didn't seem possible. Oh, no worries. Next time. Yeah. You, you got to check it out. How much are you enjoying that thing? Uh, it's my dream car. It's yeah. definitely something that, you know, I worked my whole life for basically from pushing lawnmowers to now. So, uh, I love it. It's so nice. You can go on a date or you can just go down the highway and enjoy yourself. Yep. And it's comfortable enough. You're not going to feel every bump of the road or, you know, hurt your back or anything. The the thing about the new technology is you have comfort mode where it drives like a Lexus. It looks like a McLaren and you can put in performance and then you have track and track is almost too aggressive for the street. I mean, it's just so dodgy, like where you point it, you're trying to go down the highway and switch lanes at a pretty high rate of speed not yeah. too high safe rate of speed oh, yeah. the car is just too dodgy it just goes back and forth too hard like it should on a track so i like to keep it in like the center mm. performance mode not the track mode but it's amazing that is i mean those cars are just every time i see a mclaren i just have to stop and look at it because i mean it's half art half engineering mastery i mean they just look so cool yeah and me coming from a lamborghini it, that's exactly how I explain it. To me, it's yep. a piece of art and just a race car engineered vehicle. It's, the doors go up and it's so nice. So what made you choose, go from the Lamborghini to the McLaren? Because that's a whole different bre- bread and butter or brand, whatever you want to call uh, it. 
You know, I, I really wanted something a little bit flashier, and it's hard to say flashier than Lamborghini. Yeah. But mine did. My doors didn't go up before, uh -oh. so I wanted to experience that. Um, I really wanted a Ventador, but with the way that the market has changed recently, mm -hmm. like an old Aventador that was in my price range, it would have had a lot of miles on it, and it would have been an older car. Yeah. And the technology isn't that great even today on a Ventador versus like a McLaren. Mm -hmm. So going with the 720S was kind of a no-brainer. It was less money. It had more performance. It was faster. And uh, it, it saved me a lot of money. And I'm glad I did that. Yeah, that's good old British engineering, right? <laughs> yep. Carbon fiber everywhere. So it's really cool. You got to see it one day. Oh, heck yeah. I'll have to swing by the, the shop time sometime. It's amazing how light they can make all these cars because that carbon fiber. I mean, it's just it's astronomical. Every year you have more and more strict safety regulation standards. Basically, that just has to survive being dropped off the Empire State Building and still work. It's like, will they still find a way to make it faster? <laughs> 100%. They're rockets. Oh, it's fascinating. So what do you like to do outside of work with your car customization? And yeah, outside of work, you know, um, I have a beautiful wife with, uh, we just had, well, I say just, it feels like just had, but we've got a three-year-old, a six-year-old, and I have a stepson who's 21. So they take a lot of our time. Uh, but I love coming home and being with my family and my kids, uh, taking the kids to do things. Uh, my six-year-old, or he's five, almost six, he's in Taekwondo. Oh, awesome. Uh, when he does good and he's recognized by his master or you know, he gets a new belt, something like that. Like, I'm just as happy as I won something. So yeah. I'm really enjoying that a lot. Uh, and, you know, I got to make time for date night with my yep. wife. So, and then, you know, last Saturday night, I still got to go out with my buddies mm -hmm. and uh, meet at the car meet, which is uh, something we were talking about earlier. And uh, it, that's just a lot of fun for me. I think I'll be doing that until I'm... 80 years old and I could still get in and out of a car yeah. because the same old guys the last 20 years are still showing up. Yeah. It's crazy. It's just deja vu. Everybody's still showing up. It's just something that uh, we can't get out of our system. No matter how old we get, you know, car people, that's just what we do. And there's always going to be something cooler and faster coming out with all the engineering they're doing these days. A hundred percent. And uh, I love it. I love cars. And uh, we were, what you asked me about earlier, cars drive me. For me to upgrade my car, for me to get the next car, I would do anything. I would work, uh, I believe you said you work 100 hours a week, and I believe you. Oh, yeah. I would work 100 hours a week at, at one time in order to upgrade my car. Yeah. Today, I have a lot bigger purpose. Cars are still a part of that. But today, I've got employees. I've got kids. I've got a wife. And uh, my employees are my family, too, now. Yeah. And I've, I've been able to get some really good people on my team after learning from having all the wrong people. Mm -hmm. So we, we really do get along really well. I have people who – one guy just came from San Antonio and moved to Dallas to work with us. That's awesome. And I've got a lot of young guys who are depending on me to coach them and make this a career for them and make a lot of money and support a family. And then we've got older guys who have families – so for me, this is also adrenaline rush. In fact, it scares the crap out of me <laughs> to have that much, you know, on my shoulders every day. So I get up every day and I go just for them, you yeah. know, because I actually, like you see, like I have a McLaren, I have a nice home now. Mm -hmm. 
So now what drives me is not to let other people down and help other people. And I'm really enjoying that a lot. That's rare to have that drive in such a cohesive team. I mean, that's, that's what I always tell people, you know, I don't have clients or I don't have, you know, employees. I have family. It's like the people I work with, I mean, we hang out all the time. I know what's going on. I'm always, we're always there to help each other out. Even if it doesn't have to do with work or, you know, even if it's an unusual hour of the day. Yeah. I mean, that's what I was saying at the beginning. If, if I'm not, I mean, if, if they're not winning, then I'm doing it wrong. So we both have to win. And so I have to find a way to expand and grow this company so I can have a lot of guys who can drive what they want someday. Exactly. What's the dream in terms of do you have a kind of a company size or what, what are you striving for now as the company continues to grow and develop? Well, we tent about 20 to 25 cars a day. Oh, my God. And we do at least one or two residential commercial jobs, probably about five paint protection film jobs a week. I would really like to scale all of it and continue to scale so I need more people. Yeah. And the guys who are with me growing the company, they can move up, and they can make a lot more money, and they can actually kind of help me run this thing and just grow it to something that hasn't really been done yet. Because window tending is not a very big business. Like At the end of the day, we sell more Expel film window tent than mm-hmm. anybody in Texas. Oh, wow. But it's still not a very big business. Mm-hmm. I actually want to just keep pushing and see where it takes me. So I don't have a cap on it. Yeah, I have goals, but I, I want to just keep going. And if, if we can keep growing 50% every year forever, I don't know where we're going to go, yeah. but I want to find out. Well, I was about to say that. That's a dream. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're going to keep pushing it. That's the way to do it. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks, bud. I'll be in the shop soon. Yes. Thank you, everyone, for taking the time to listen. Don't forget to like, subscribe, share, tell your friends, tell your relatives, tell your family, tell your enemies, tell anyone. Thanks so much for listening. You all stay safe. Have a great day. Talks.